0: Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2019. My name is Amato, and with me are... Tori. And Chris. Yes, Chris, thank you for coming in to fill in with Dom tonight.
1: Yeah, no problem.
0: I'm sorry, I said fill in with Dom, I meant fill in for Dom. Yeah. (laughs) Dom is not also here. Either of those things. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you're the second in our three weeks without Dom, and um, we just needed some bodies to fill this space.
2: Yeah. It's good (laughs) to know that I'm appreciated.
0: (laughs) What I said last week when I invited you, Chris, is what I appreciate about you is that you are familiar with everything.
1: I try to be,
0: certainly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Familiar with, like, everything that we would ever be likely to talk about. Um, Yeah, I mean... I mean... I guess we're all pretty well-read geekery-wise, right?
2: We're well... I think we're well-read. I just think Chris has a better memory than I do. Mm, Yeah. Like, especially for details. And, like, I can be really passionate about something, and then I might know all the details. But, like, as far as everything that I'm interested in, it's like, I... Yeah, especially... Speaking of Final Fantasy VII, I did not remember a lot of the details, and Chris kind of helped me out with that, so.
1: Well, I aim for encyclopedic, and I probably fall a bit short of the mark most of the time, but. I do remember,
0: uh, the last time I was on with you, Chris, was for the Gundam Wing fanfic. Yeah. And Tori, you would certainly had feelings, and Chris, yeah. you certainly had, like, remembering exactly what had happened in Gundam Wing. Yes. Which was good for that one, especially.
1: Yeah, well, I tried. I feel like I probably still got a couple of details wrong. Actually, I know I got a couple of details wrong, but the general course of it.
2: But you had the details, (laughs) unlike me, where I'm like, I feel like this is true. Somebody please help me.
0: Last week we did a CSI Charlie and the Chocolate Factory crossover, and Dom wasn't there for that either. And afterwards, Dom, having, you know, listened to the recording to edit it, complained to me that none of us know anything about CSI, and we were making huge mistakes.
2: I remember, I was remembering NCIS, and Dom texted me, it was like, the goth girls from NCIS, and I was just like, I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay.
0: Well, it's not like Final Fantasy VII has any passionate fans, right, who care deeply about it and will (laughs)
2: get upset if we make any mistakes.
1: Huh.
2: (laughs) At least I know about Final Fantasy VII, whereas apparently I know nothing about CSI. So as long as we've clarified that, I'm going to make a public apology about my lack of CSI knowledge for any of the listeners who heard me last week getting, you know, everything messed up detail-wise. So, Tori, what is your background with Final Fantasy VII? We'll go around. We'll start with you. I played it. Mm -hmm. I liked it. Mm -hmm. I... Watched Advent Children, which is not referenced in this fanfic because it came up before Advent Children. Long before Advent Children. Yes. But to be honest, it's been so long since I have played Final Fantasy Seven. I probably haven't played it since I was a teenager, like maybe 17. I... You know, most of my memory is from watching Advent Children because it's way easier to go back and watch Advent Children than it is to go back and replay all of Final Fantasy VII. Though this kind of inspired me to want to do that. Mm-hmm. So I went back though and I did look up like a full plot summary and like all of the character summaries to make sure that I had all of the important details remembered for this. And I actually surprised myself. I remembered more than I thought I would. So. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, I feel like I should say something more about how the game affected me. It's just a very beautifully made game. Um, And, you know, Chris was saying before, like, it's the characters have so much depth in a way you don't get in RPGs. And I feel like when I did play it, it felt like a full immersive experience and I also, like, one of the first times you see, like, eco-terrorists being the protagonists, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that component, especially when I was, like, 17 years old. I kind of looked up to, I mean, especially Tifa, to being a martial artist. It was one of my favorite characters for a really long time, because I was, like, eco-terrorist martial artist. That's awesome. I yeah. mean,
0: in 2019, I feel like we're about one more Mako reactor away from needing to go bomb some things ourselves, right? Maybe yeah. I shouldn't say that on air. <laughs>
1: yeah, um... You know, uh, completely in a um, I'm just kidding, NSA kind of way. Right, right, right. <laughs> right? I, I'm yes, just of course. Yeah. Uh-huh. We, we would never do any acts of eco-terrorism, and you can quote me on that.
0: But please also don't create any. <laughs> Nuclear, not nuclear, any power reactors that, you know, suck up souls from the world life. And, you know,
1: that'll help, too. Well, you know, uh. and kill the planet's capacity <laughs> to, like, actually create and sustain life on right. a well, global that's... scale. Well, you know, yeah,
2: that's yeah. pretty close.
1: Mm. Mm. You know, uh, resonant metaphor and whatever.
2: Yeah. There's one other. There's the last thing I wanted to say about my relationship with Final Fantasy Seven is that my dog's name is Red. And Red thirteen is uh one of my favorite characters. When I was re-read, when I was reading this fanfic, um I kept thinking about my dog and imagining that it was my dog talking, but um
0: red I, is a cool character mm-hmm. and I like red, but I never ever used red in I did. the game. And I let did. me tell you why. Okay. Can you guess?
1: Because there are so many other really good characters to put in your party,
0: that's also a really good reason. But it's because Red's model doesn't change when you change his weapon, uh, and I just yeah. could not stand that. I want to see that weapon change. <laughs> like I want to equip a cool new weapon and see them holding it. I want to like equip a boxing glove on Barrett, and with Red, you
2: just don't get that. You know that is kind of a place of lacking. Because I just loved. I had Red in my party. All the time, because I loved, I loved, like, imagining being this, like, lion-wolf-beast and <laughs> fighting. But it would have been so much cooler if you could equip something and have that appear. Like, I, I loved, man, I really missed out. That. I just had certain priorities for my mm-hmm. characters. Mm-hmm.
1: Clearly the truly important things. <laughs> Not, like, their depth and their, um, you know, development as a character.
0: You two are mentioning depth. And thinking back on it, especially after reading this fanfic, I was like, yeah, every single character in that game gets major emotional beats. Yeah. Like everyone up to Kate Sith or Ketchi, I mean, how are you actually what are we actually gonna say?
1: Uh, that is a good
0: question I'm gonna... because... because I certainly said Kate Sith. Yeah, uh, me too.
1: Yeah, all my life playing that game and then I actually learned the mythology. Right underlying it and how to pronounce actual gaelic i think
0: i think yeah I, it's gonna to have to be kate sith right like this is a 1998 fanfic no one was saying catchy in 1998
1: well i'm also probably going to use aerith quite a bit and i won't be able to stop myself i'm sorry in spite That's of fine. the fact that the title is this or of the first fan is at least of the search for eris
2: <laughs> yeah it's yes. been a, I think it's been a long time though since like they corrected themselves to aerith it yeah. well yeah everything since the original game oh yeah they corrected themselves yeah
1: yeah because that was a translation that was very clearly a translation error right
0: <laughs> well what about you Chris were you any deeper into the game than Tori seven specifically
1: oh I mean, I honestly think that in spite of all of the hype that it's gotten throughout its existence, that it is honestly still kind of underrated as a game. Uh, I was immensely affected by it, playing it. I have played through it several times. I've also watched Advent Children played through the most of the rest of the compilation of final fantasy seven. I don't consider them to be quite as good games, but I still like them. Um, and yeah, like, Growing up, this was one of those pieces of media that affected me on a deep level, and I have a lot of empathy with a lot of these characters. So, Mm
3: -hmm.
1: um, sort of, I gain a lot of my philosophy and the um, belief system that I've developed out of looking at how these deep characters in pieces of media that are truly well-written interact with the world. So I I definitely feel that this is something that is, or this is a piece of media that is important to me. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I played it when I was relatively young too. We got it for the computer, which was a port that actually worked really well, which in retrospect surprises me, but like we never ran into any bugs or any problems and Mm. the controls seemed fine and all that. Um, we didn't have a PlayStation. And when I say we, I mean my sister and I, because we played through it together at least the first time. I m- think I must have played through it again by myself at some point, because I remember it too well to have just played through it once, even though a lot of it is also just very memorable. There's a lot of yeah. memorable locations and like Perfect. memorable parts of that game, which is definitely part of its strength. Spending the first like whole chunk of the game... Stuck in Midgar and then like eventually leaving Midgar and you're like, whoa, I'm out of Midgar. You know, it's all uh, such really memorable design. Mm.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah, there's definitely um, having very interesting locations and having a very interesting world is, is another huge advantage that this game had. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's well written in a variety of different factors.
2: yeah to me it holds together like better than uh i mean i want to say better than a lot of the other final fantasy games those are all pretty well done games i think you're right like what yeah do you do you agree or i I do agree like i don't know i was just comparing it to eight which we played also Mm -hmm. eight
0: has cool things but none of the characters uh not none of the characters I mean I've never thought about it in this sense, but I was just commenting how like every character in Final Fantasy VII is distinct and has their own distinct major emotional like parts. That's not the case in eight. In eight, like a bunch of them are from the same school and a bunch of them just
2: don't matter. Well in the ending to eight, like I played eight before I played seven. It Uh was the first Final Fantasy game I played. That ending just like threw me. I was like, and they all like went to kindergarten together. and like, it's like this weird happenstance. I don't even remember it very well. It just it felt forced, no, that's not the ending, right? You're th- no, talking about oh, no, in the middle but in the, the middle. I do Sorry. love how they
0: have that huge revelation drop, and no one ever mentions it again. And it's fine. It's like, oh, and using guardian forces <laughs> destroys your memory.
1: I mean, to be fair, they do have a decent number of bits of foreshadowing, but you really have to follow them if you yeah. wanna like get that emotion. Like I can understand why people miss it. Mm-hmm. But you do have like a bunch of hallucinations where you live the lives of people who have previously lived up until that point. Yeah, I,
2: I think they were definitely working towards something in eight, but I also don't find the characters to be as like distinct as seven. So like not to rag on 8, it's not like a terrible game, but to say that 7 had really standout qualities and like all of the qualities were standout and right. strong characters, strong world, strong plot, strong, you know, analog- analogies, uh, what do I want to say? Metaphors? You know, meta- no, that's still not the right word. Though. Similes. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, strong meaning to the game. Yeah, um, yeah. There's a strong allegory. And, I mean, I, I will always love
0: 6, but I think I can take a step back and say 6 is not nearly as good a game as 7. Mm. There's some things I really like about 6. I like I like the fact there's no main character, no one main character. And if there is a main character, the main characters are Terrace and Seelies. And that's, like, the only time that Final Fantasy has... Not the only time. It's the only time for some time that Final Fantasy had female characters in the lead. And I, I love the structure of like opening it up yeah. later on, um, but most yeah, it it's not
2: as as compelling a game
0: in a lot of ways
2: as seven. So I guess we can definitively say that we are all pretty big fans of Final Fantasy VII. Yes, and I mean,
1: I do want to jump <laughs> into the defense of other Final Fantasy games a little bit here. Oh, okay. because we seem to be okay. They are all very good games, and I'm sure that we all believe that, but it seems yes. a little bit like we're ragging on them a bit. I just want to make sure that that is clear
0: That is true. I also love six. I don't know if I love eight, but I appreciate some things about eight, mostly. I, I never wanted to leave Balaam Garden. As soon as we left Balaam Garden, I was sad. I, I wanted to work on the festival committee. That's what I wanted to do in that game.
1: Well, eventually uh, you get to take it with you.
0: I do. Uh, that was a great <laughs> moment when suddenly <laughs> that's your airship, Balong Garden. Yeah.
2: yeah, no, I mean, where I'm coming from is just that, like, I think all the Final Fantasy games are pretty well done, but 7 is just, like... I think there's a reason it's so popular. I just think it's it's really, really knitted itself together. That being said, it's been a while since I've played any of the games, so I'm not gonna, uh, I don't know, uh, be too mean to any of them. I, I think they're all great, but Seven just stands out to me, I guess.
0: Alright, who's gonna defend Final Fantasy 2? Hmm.
1: I haven't played it. That is one of the like yeah. two Final Fantasy games that I have not played. No, Nobody, nobody's though. played
0: it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I mean, I like all of the other ones. Like I like Final Fantasy, like even the the dated qualities of Final Fantasy one being a very early RPG. It still has it's pretty some cool as an early RPG, right? It like has incredibly interesting plot when it does have plot.
0: Um, well, it's also got pretty cool systems, honestly. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, just the fact you get to choose your party and that also the capabilities of your party change halfway through if, yes. you, if you do that quest, which you do. Well, and, you know, who doesn't? I know, like, unless you're
2: really... Well, you know, at the time it was kind of like one of kind. Yeah. So I mean, you know, it, it was for part, of, part of a genre. Like, it yeah, doesn't, it doesn't create a it... dragon quest, but it was just like a really cool early
1: JRPG yeah. for sure. I mean, True, I but it, it had a lot of elements that differentiated itself from yeah. all of the other things that were around at the time. For sure.
0: Well, like anyway. blatantly stealing Dungeons and Dragons monsters, which I, say, <laughs> oh, yes. I approve of.
1: <laughs> and they've been doing it ever since. All a right.
0: Well, we are not the only Final Fantasy fans or the only Final Fantasy Seven fans. If you weren't around in the 90s, Final Fantasy Seven was a really big game that uh, was extremely popular. And it produced some fan fiction. And some of the early fanfiction that was, like, noticed by fans was this series that we're diving into today, which is just called Frank Verderosa's FF7 Internet Series hmm. from circa, what is it, 1998? Mm-hmm.
1: That's what they, the um, publisher said on right. the fanfiction yes. publishing of it.
0: We are re- <laughs> We are reading it on fanfiction.net where it was posted by another person because it's been off the internet for a long time. I, I didn't track down the, like, original website. It might be available by way back. It probably is. And I probably should have done that because it's almost certainly against the fanfiction.net terms of service to post somebody else's story and, you know, could go down at any time. But same with Archive of Our Own, which is definitely against the terms of service, but somebody has posted there as well. Uh, You can find the link to the current fanfiction.net postings at bit.ly slash RFR series. And this is a series of eight stories. We are reading two of them. The first two, the first one of which is called The Search for
2: Eris, and the second one being called The Red Fist. Just to clarify, it's not called The Search for Eris, Eris, the... (laughs) It's called The Search for Eris, um, because I guess this was before people knew that it was supposed to be Eris, so there you go. It, it was. Well, it was before everything. It was, um, like, after the games.
1: Yes. To be fair, and not to, like, spoil anything anything much about the fanfiction, but, you know, like, we also have the fact that Seng is dead in this fanfiction, which is another sort of translation error that came through in the original script. Oh, is
0: that right? Wait, what yes. happened to Seng?
1: So, it's, you know, Seng gets is like lying unconscious bleeding in the temple of the ancients when you, you go there. And then later on there is a line, which I mean, like I can understand why people thought sang was dead because Elena says, um, holds you responsible for, I think the line is something like, um, her boss biting it or something like that. Like uh, something like, like very obviously, um, Implying his death, uh, which is just not, which is not, just not a good translation. If it like, was
0: biting it, that is
1: directly stating his
2: death. Yes, biting right. it does not mean
1: being. Oh no, it was offing him, I think. Off, but yeah, yes, no, that is still very in English, obviously. killing. Yeah,
2: that means killing <laughs> someone. But like, so the trans, what was it translated from? Like, it I was mean, more like relate to us the Japanese.
1: Oh, yeah, Japanese, Japanese I don't. No, I don't no, I, that's not don't what I mean. No, the <laughs> Japanese. <laughs> Um, It was something just more like him having been beaten up or defeated or injured. You know, like that
2: Uh, is... So there was probably something about him being defeated, and it was translated to be some sort of slang that meant... Wounded. Yeah, he died. Interesting. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. No, I didn't know that either.
1: Yeah. That's why a lot of people were confused when he shows up alive in Advent Children, (laughs) because they only played the original, and they never got the...
2: Oh, yeah, I guess he does. (laughs) Yeah. I just... I don't know if I ever even thought about that. I can't find Mad the original Tori.
0: Japanese, but it sounds like uh, in some old threads, people were saying, oh, you messed up, like messed up my boss would be more like
3: mm.
0: a more good translation. I could speak to it directly if I could find the Japanese, but I'm not going to put in the time.
2: Yeah. That being said, it was kind of uh the translation of Final Fantasy Seven is it been retranslated at any point? Because I feel like they kind of need to do that. I don't know,
1: because. So it's generally really good. Yeah. It's generally quite good. And then every so often, it will be very bad. That's, and I'm not entirely yeah. certain why. It feels think, like editors must have missed some things.
0: Well, the. <laughs> I, I don't know about seven, but if you're talking about ones like six, you know, the weirdness is partially because they had like a very small number of translators working on a really harsh deadline, they just had to pound it out. And I would not be surprised if it was, like, the same thing for Seven. Like, how much editing happened, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm just musing here, but I know that was a thing with, like, some of these old game releases.
2: Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's, like, it's not like the, you know, the translators did a bad job. It's just it was very common for people to be trying to pound out these translations really quickly. And a lot of times that resulted in, like, slang being translated in really weird ways or, like, trying to Americanize it in a way that, like, didn't necessarily make sense to Americans. So.
1: I mean, to it's some extent, there. you always have to work around that good translation isn't just transliteration. It has to mm-hmm. involve some amount of interpretation. Yes,
0: as someone who has translated a Japanese visual game, visual novel badly, I can <laughs> to that it um, at. But we should get into the... The story, probably, because we we could talk about Final Fantasy games probably for the entire time we have available to us Yes, and not actually get to the story. (laughs) This is, again, Frank Verderosa's Final Fantasy VII internet series. It's from fairly shortly after the games were released, and so it was a relatively big name in Final Fantasy VII fan fiction for a little while, which explains why it didn't really need a name, except just like this guy writing a series. Maybe it wasn't even originally intended to be a series. I don't know the background. The first story is called The Search for Eris. And how perfect is it that the first story in this is about bringing Eris back from the dead? Because there were so many rumors about like how you could revive Eris or prevent her from dying in the game. It's like, oh, get everybody up to level 99 and then get 99 tissues and um, eat them. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, none of them were true.
2: Can I just say it to you like this, considering all of that? I do think the story is done pretty respectfully for the subject matter too. You know, because like it could have been very um, corny, I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean that said, like, not to wear a hat saying Murphy or anything, but. <laughs> uh, Aerith's death is very important to the plot of Final Fantasy VII. And I can understand why a lot of people want to bring her back. She's a great character, and you definitely feel the loss. And in fact, that sort of attests to why it's important that she's dead and gone for good. Right. Because you really feel Mm -hmm. the loss. And that's especially important to Cloud's character development.
0: Even gameplay-wise, it's so affecting because there's no other character that fills the gameplay role she had. Like no one gets anything as good as Grand Gospel. Nobody's like quite as strong of a magic user out of the box, you know. Yes. Anyway, so right. So the fanfic. Yes. Uh, we start with Barrett, who's the mayor of Corral. Coral. Coral.
1: <laughs> I go with Coral. Coral. I'm not Coral. Sure. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> None of. Well, I mean, these actually probably were pronounced at some point. I always listen to Japanese, so I'm not entirely. Sure, if their English is, is I do? I don't correct. Know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, but yeah, this is like how many years post game?
2: It's kind of hard to tell. It doesn't seem like it's no, that but they big. mentioned. It's been. It's a couple okay. of years. It's a few years. I don't. Yeah, I don't remember. It's enough that they're they've gotten their lives on a new track, but not enough that Cloud has moved on from Aerith's death. So, and yeah. Barrett is the mayor, and that. When I told Chris that, you're like, how, what?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I I initially heard this from uh, Tori before I started reading and I found it a bit of an oddity because that doesn't particularly seem like the sort of job that Barrett would really do well at.
0: He's sitting behind a desk, you know, like administration stuff. That's not really, I I guess the the rules, like the laws, the bylaws of Coral, Coral. Must just be that you can only
2: lead if you have a gun for an arm. (laughs) (laughs) And so their options are just really limited. Well, I will say that I kind of like this as, like, a video game opening or, like, especially as, like, a, a sequel fan fiction where it's, like, I've settled down after my life of adventure and then he's sitting at the desk and he's thinking, Wow, I really wish I had some adventure. And then of course adventure happens. And then so, a game walks in. Yeah, right. <laughs> like I just like the tropiness of it. It's just kind of funny. It's very tropey. Yeah. It- I mean
1: I mean fair, but the whole him sitting down and being like, Man, I think there's there was one line in there that sort of resonated, didn't re- quite match with the character as far as I understand him. Um is about, yeah, he had responsibilities now and couldn't take off and leave everything on some whim like he used to in the old days. That doesn't, uh, Barrett is extraordinarily about responsibility. Oh, the yeah. whole reason that he goes on the entire first mission through the entire game of Final Fantasy VII is because he thinks he has a responsibility to the planet to stop Shinra from doing what they do. And he didn't,
0: didn't just take off from his team. Like, he was a leader. Yeah.
2: Yes. He was a leader in Avalanche. Like, this is, like, not a really a different role for him. It might be a little less um, exciting, but... You're right, like, the responsibility piece is not something he seems like he'd complain about.
0: I like the line, though, that for all the use he's been getting out of it, he might as well replace his gun arm with a letter opener.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I think that's indicative. They do have, uh, this writer does have some quite clever lines like that, where you you know, like, at least smile-worthy when you're going through and and reading them.
0: (laughs) But anyway, Tifa comes in, and she wants to talk to him first. She and Cloud are in town, And the deal is that Cloud's been, like, getting dreams that, like, there's some, like, from Eris. It's, like, there's something about Eris that, like, there's some way to bring back Eris. And, like, eventually they've had to move on it. And he and Tifa, I guess, are, like, living together? It seems like they're a couple. But in the second fanfic, it seems like maybe they're not. It's very unclear.
1: Well, so... It's stated pretty outright that they're both working at the bar that, like, I guess the new seventh heaven that Tifa's opened in Calm. That'd be
0: the eighth heaven, right? Yeah, that sounds correct.
1: <laughs> or the fourteenth <14th> heaven. <laughs> Depends on how we're counting.
2: You're right. Fourteenth yeah. heaven makes more sense. No, the forty uh, ninth heaven. Oh, there you it go. squared. Never mind.
1: Uh, squared. A... Seven upscale of seven.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Anyway,
0: what were we saying? Oh, yeah, so they're they're both working at the bar, right? Because Tifa has no career goals outside of bartending. <laughs> uh, that's fine. I guess she's a good
1: bartender. It's fine. I mean, she has been doing it since she's been way too young to drink, so... Right.
0: <laughs> uh, anyway, so the deal is, yeah, Cloud's been having some kind of, like, dream visions about, like, Eris being not alive, but, like, somehow... Yeah, he's convinced she's alive in some sense. And they're like, well, she's an ancient, so who knows what the rules are. Tifa is kind of, you know, she has to go along with it because it's bothering him so much. She's kind of not fully on board with this idea having any, you know, actual basis in reality. But, like, whatever. (laughs) They're coming by to consult with him. Even though there's no reason why like Barrett specifically is like helpful for this idea, I don't know.
1: I think the justification that we get is something along the lines of Tifa knows Barrett really well, that's and true. so Tifa, uh, Barrett is someone that Tifa can confide in and maybe ask for an opinion about things that are very sensitive.
0: Yeah, I I guess that's the idea, and Barrett you know, is it just itching for an excuse to drop all of his like responsibilities and go adventuring. So he does. And including, like mentions just mentioned, it's like, oh, how, how's Marlene doing? It's like, oh, she's doing great. And I was like, wait. <laughs> what? Oh, what? There's not any lie just given to, like, what you did with her. Yeah. Like, what who she's staying with or anything like that. It's just like, oh, yeah, she's, like, going to school. She's adapted really well. As a parent, I was like, "Can can I get a Get some confirmation <laughs> that she's not just living by herself in the house or something. There's a responsible
2: adult around somewhere. But this is the Final Fantasy world, so, you know, like, you can be an eight-year-old kid and live on your own and everything's chill, right?
0: Uh, I mean, you can definitely be a 12-year-old kid and <laughs> yeah, be an incredible okay. badass, but yeah. Marlene has a couple more years to go until yeah, there. This is true. I think even at this point in canon.
2: I mean, right, not in canon, yeah, I don't at this know point in the timeline how long it's been, so I don't know how old she'd be, but
1: I'm not clear how old she was to
2: begin with, yeah. but she wasn't that old.
1: <laughs> yeah, very young. Still pretty young.
2: Anyway, so Barrett's with them.
0: And then um, we don't have to do it every single time. They sort of go around and start picking up the various older characters, and like the, the party members, right? And this fanfic reads very much like the novelization of a ROM hack. <laughs> where, like, they, they had these Is that where assets. I thought you were going? They had these visual assets they could use. They can use all of the places originally in the game. They can use all the character models originally in the game with minimal changes. And they're going to reconfigure these into, like, a new arrangement for a new adventure where you get all your old party members back, but not new party members, because we can't program the 3D assets for the battle for new characters. Like, it, are you guys with me on this? That's basically kind of like how it feels.
1: Yeah, I can definitely see the sort of <laughs> remix the game element to it.
0: Because they go through dungeons. It's yeah, like, yes. like, yeah. like they go to consult with Red because they're like, well, if anyone knows anything about ancients, it's Red who, you know, he's he's still living in Cosmo Canyon. He's kind of taken on Bogenhofen, Bogenhagen, 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 B- yeah. Bogenhagen, however uh, Bogenhofen is his <laughs> in Warhammer <laughs> Fantasy. Uh, Bogenhagen kind of taking on Bogenhagen's role and like going through his library. And I I do like the dichotomy that like Red is like you know a beast or whatever, and he's a scholar, and he's always been kind of like a quiet, you know, thoughtful character.
1: Yeah, he's deep, deep into philosophical, like basically everyone in the Final Fantasy universe, I guess. <laughs> Not Yuffie. Oh yes, you're right. Everyone <laughs> besides. I pronounce it Yuffie. I'm Yuffie. not entirely. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: all I never heard him voiced. Uh, you know what? I've never heard them voiced in English anyway. It's probably Yuffie.
2: Yeah. I I uh, I still I still say
0: Yuffie, but I... Yuffie was definitely one of my go-to party members playing mm-hmm. through Final
1: Fantasy VII. Uh-huh. Yes, she is great in spite of the fact that that the only thing that she can think about is materia.
2: (laughs) Yeah, she's kind of funny, though. And she's funny in fan fiction, too. Yeah, she is. I I actually was like the point where, like, it's funny that you say a ROM hackamotto, because maybe this is, like, where I was trying to get with this idea. I kept feeling like it felt like the gameplay. But then there were parts, like the fight scenes, where I was like, this doesn't quite feel like the gameplay. Like, it does not it doesn't. It goes back and forth. A lot but, of the time, it feels like the gameplay. They use specific yeah, materia. They right. use
0: they use specific limit breaks. But I kind of thought that was classy because they're not named. Yes, it's like it's, I agree
1: with this. It describes yeah.
0: every time a limit break is used, they don't name it. They don't call it a limit break, even though even in Final Fantasy VII, in like the tutorial room, they have like those kids, and it's like, oh yeah, I'm using a limit break, and I always thought that was charming too. But I think in the context of this fanfic, it's nice that they don't do that, and it's just like, oh, he did this really cool thing, and I like that's Klim Hazard. Or like yeah yeah that's grand gospel or whatever like
2: yeah they like don't fully go um, all the way towards like abstracting themselves from the game they definitely make it feel like kind of like you're playing the game but there's um, the part that made me feel most like I was playing an RPG like maybe not Final Fantasy seven in particular but was when, when Yuffie comes running in and takes them on a side quest yeah it's a lot of side quests yeah. It's like going to red they have to do a little side quest to like go
0: under cosmo canyon because he needs to retrieve a certain book that like is talking about wh- I, I forget the details it's like fr- i forget what's in the what's in bugenhagen's library originally and what's in this book that they need to retrieve from an old storage area but red tells them about the existence of this something materia what's it called Crystal... Uh, uh, crystal Materia. Crystal yes. Materia. I wanted to say Crystal Materia, but yeah. I was reading Steven Universe content, and I was like, am I just thinking of Crystal Gems or something?
2: Yeah, it's the Crystal Materia, but, you know, maybe it is a Crystal Gem. Could be.
0: In disguise. Maybe yeah. all Materia is just waiting to form holographic, hard, light bodies and walk around and eat hot dogs or whatever.
2: Because <laughs> uh, that's what the Crystal Gems do, is eat hot dogs. Oh,
0: at least one of them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway... anyway. Uh crystal materia, which it is said can revive an ancient, revive ancients. Which, okay, that's that's cool. I I didn't actually think ancients were that biologically different than humans, but I guess it's kind of canon that they
1: are, though. I guess. So yeah, they're they definitely have different capacities than humans. They're right. like a different species. We get at least that much, and it is. Quite vague. They certainly look human, and there is some implication that humans are like their long descendants from some of the the cetera that like broke off. Right. What cetera
2: we get is that they're an ancient race. Yeah. Right. Like that's kind of that's basically all the information. Guardians of the planet and an ancient yes. race. Yeah. I mean, is a- that true? That that's all the information
1: we get. A lot of different details about them at various points, but some of it's sort of speculative and some of it's from decidedly unreliable sources, namely mm-hmm. some scientists <laughs> that I could name. Yeah, yeah
2: that's yeah. a good point, actually.
0: Well, they find out that the crystal materia was taken by Shinra and should be in Shinra headquarters in the ruins of Midgar. And then they have more fetch quests because they need to go retrieve their materia. And I do kind of like everything about this Wu Tai side trip. First, that all their materia is being held by Yuffie. Yes. And I can totally just see that where, like, she would kind of insist, right? You don't need this anymore, right? You don't need any of it.
2: Well, and then when they go to get it from her, well, first of all, the first thing she does is trick them into into doing another side quest. Doing another side quest for her. To uh, pass one of her ninja skills training things with their father. Yeah, she's like, but,
0: I need these herbs to save yeah. my father's life. And <laughs> it's like, no, actually, yes. she was just yes. supposed to retrieve them herself as a test.
3: But she's I mean, scared of heights. Yes. She to yes.
1: I mean, to be fair, that came off as a bit mean, even for Yuffie. But I like, I mm-hmm. respect that she is sort of devious and and willing <laughs> yes. to like play tricks on people to get what she wants. But I mean, to be fair, the whole like stealing the party's material in the first game was like a very like desperate emotional play by her in order to save her nation from being destroyed. Right. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Uh,
2: Yeah. What
0: I like about it in this fanfic is that Everybody's skeptical. They're like, really, Yuki? She's like, yes, <laughs> yeah. really, seriously, yeah. this yeah. is life or death. And they're like, really? She's like, yes, like, let me, we have no time to waste, come with me. And afterwards they find out she's been lying. It's just like, "God damn it, Yuki. Well, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, yeah, she gets the branch <laughs> that she needs from the tree and then immediately runs off. And then, like, everyone else just immediately takes off right after her. <laughs> right. Because, you know, something is definitely suspicious here.
2: Yeah, except for Tifa, who is the one who had to, like, climb all the way back down on her own right right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so she's just mind. like a cloud takes off and bear takes off she's like screw you guys <laughs> so this was pretty funny but then when they finally get you know asked for the material back they're like you if we need our material she's like you mean my material <laughs> and that's what I thought was the funniest yeah. part it's like no we told you to hold on to it until we needed it we said you could have it until we needed it she's like um, I don't know about that. I don't remember that yeah. part of that conversation. <laughs> I guess that makes Pretty funny. a certain amount
0: of sense that if you want to make sure nobody else gets it, then yeah, leave it with Yuffie. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, because she will <laughs> literally go to the ends of the earth if anyone tries to take it from her.
0: Yeah. And it's kind of ridiculous just as a as a point throughout the rest of this. They've got all the materia you would expect from an endgame Final Fantasy second party, yeah. yeah. which is just kind of, I don't know, it's just high-powered.
1: Uh, yeah, that is uh, an interesting point when we get to some fight scenes that occur yeah. later.
0: Uh, my greatest disappointment is that they don't use the best materia at any point, which is enemy skill. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, confirmed best materia by, I think, everyone that played that game.
0: Half of my actions were magic hammer, and the other half were extremely high MP <laughs> spells using the MP that I stole from magic
1: hammer. Yes.
2: What material did they actually end up using in these fights? You know, I, I, was, uh, they, oh, have, they, I they have them red spamming yeah. cure. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, There's that. I mean, yeah,
1: and but... there's some mention of you know barrier spells being cast, yeah, or protect, or. And
0: we'll get to some notable yeah. material later on that I see Chris is itching to talk about, <laughs> <laughs> but. You know, from there, they have to go fetch other things. They go to Midgar to get the Materia. There's, like, monsters in Midgar. I, as a kid playing FF7, I had just assumed that Holy had wiped humans from the face of the earth, and that's why the last scene was the Ruins of Midgar.
2: Oh. Like, with Red looking out over it. That that was...
0: That was absolutely my read.
2: Oh, I, I thought the read was supposed to be, like, the grass is growing back and the planet is healthy. Yep. Yeah, because all the humans are gone. That's how I read oh, it. Oh, yeah. Well, uh. that's actually a fair read because <laughs> hmm. the humans were the one who were fucking things up. Right. Yeah. And and all you see is red, right? And, like, a couple yeah. of little reds or something? Yes. yes. Yeah, you see red and red. cubs. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway. Hey, that would be actually a great ending. That's <laughs> kind of that would I'm, be a good jumping off point for my comic, which is about dogs running around in a post human future. So. Turn into a Final Fantasy Seven fan <laughs> Victory. Yeah, it basically go. is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, I don't know that I I quite agree with this, considering mm. how much effort humans seem to be, at least some humans seem to be going through in the plot of final fantasy seven to stop that from happening or like stop the planet from dying.
2: I think it's not um, an unfair read of the ending. Um, And I think, you know, considering that I wrote an entire comic that has very similar premise, I might read it that way now. But at the time, it seemed like because Red was a party member, it was implied that your party survived. Mm-hmm. That, that's how I read oh, it. Oh, yeah. Well, well, I
1: mean, certainly he was in the same you know, place that you were when this yeah, all happened.
0: Yeah. That but is also anyway. a very reasonable read. And clearly, like, the author or I guess Final Fantasy fans in general did not interpret it the way I did as a kid. Yeah. Mm. Um, um.
1: And so yeah, official canon seems to indicate that also humans did survive.
3: Yeah,
2: I mean,
1: yeah, because they want sequels.
2: So. Either way, um, either way, it's a great ending because it implies that the planet has been healed, and that's what we really right.
1: want. Yes. So. Well, I mean, yeah, that is of vital importance because certainly, if the planet dies, all of the humans die with it,
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> and all of the other people too. Yeah. Yes. And
0: so, uh, in Midgar, they run into. Another party member, which is, I'm going to go with Kate Sith. I just can't not say Kate Sith. And that's super weird. It's so weird. It's so weird that they don't seem to talk to him as like, hey, what have you been doing, you human being who is remote controlling this they robot? They talk to Instead. him like he's
2: literally they a, a robot. talk like
0: it's Kate Sith. Like, oh yeah, Kate Sith. This person we know, Kate Sith. It's <laughs> really weird. Well, yeah. I mean,
1: to be fair, I don't know if they even... Don't do, they? Do they learn? They learn, I think they learn. Reeves. Yes, at some yeah, point. they do. But yes, right? Yeah. Don't um,
2: they? We. I mean. We but I mean, help. like
1: they. No, they know. They definitely know that someone's controlling it. Like they don't really know much about Reeve as a character. Um, other than that, he has been playing this role all of this time, and he has been helping them. Like he's sending this robot, and you know, like after that period where he's spying on them, he does actually tend to be very helpful. Yeah. Throughout the rest of the plot in in normal Final Fantasy VII, So,
0: Yeah, well anyway, Kate Sith says that Godo sent him like to help them out, and they're like, that doesn't, doesn't seem quite right, but I guess that's plausible. And yeah. so they let him into the party again. Um as an aside, I wanted to use Kate Sith, I really did. But because I was a Moogle partisan, like especially coming from Final <laughs> Fantasy VI, I was like, yes. Oh, I, I used the heck out of Mog. I'm definitely gonna use Kate Sith. Sure. But his limits were just too bad. His limits were just not that good enough. That is fair. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why Tifa was in my party, because her limit gets
1: so good. It is mean, extraordinary. You're <laughs> Assuming like, that you could play slots well.
2: <laughs> I could play slots okay. Okay. As a kid,
1: at least. Yeah.
2: Y'all are, like, better game players than I am. I'm just, like, I'm going to put Tifa in because Mm -hmm. she's cool and a martial artist. Tifa's also cool and a martial artist. And I'm going to put Red in because Red's, like, a dog and cool. And I just, I literally was just, like, I want to put people in that are cool. (laughs) That I can relate to as people.
0: So not Sid.
2: (laughs) I... I like Sid though.
1: <laughs> I also like Sid. But... Um
2: but no, I don't think I'd sit in my party very much. I yeah. there's I, I don't feel like there's much of a use for Sid in your party. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, uh, well,
1: I mean, to be fair, there are a decent amount of differences in attack and magic stats between your characters, but like a lot, is, yeah, a lot of this is based on what materia you put on what people
2: yeah. that's also a really good point too. Anyway,
0: Cade Sith joins them. Long story short, they get the material. You know, there's monsters around and stuff, um, but they they also do they run into any like antagonistic people here? I yes, they I do. I forget. Yeah, is that it's the Turks? Yes,
1: of course, it's the, it's, Turks. It's the Turks. It's always the
0: Turks. <laughs> and why the Turks have been hired by this antagonist we've seen in the background? The Turks have been hired by this antagonist we've seen in the background, who we'll get to in a little bit, I guess. And it's like, oh, we want the crystal materia, and you know, they fight the Turks. It's the Three Turks, because Sang is definitely dead. Yes, so dead. 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, I think
1: it's some good I mean... lines.
0: I, I've got to say, here though is one of my problems with this fanfic. Not here exactly, but here's a point where I can talk about it. There's some talk about how, like, oh, you know, we won, Shinra's destroyed, and that's good for the planet, and so many things are better now. Everything seems exactly the same except that Midgar's in ruins. Mm-hmm. Everything seems exactly the same. It's like the capitalist system is totally in place. Yeah. All of the countries seem to be pretty much the same. I mean, Wutai's doing better because, like, it's yeah. not under the thumb of, you know,
2: of Shinra. And, that's... like, it's kind of the biggest city around now, I guess. No, that's a really excellent point, though. It's Yeah, it's like things well, things have changed okay. because of, like, kind of the... The Shinra, Shinra not doing its thing anymore, but we don't yes. see the planet healing itself.
0: But, but I mean, also, it's just like, it's not like you don't and have professional people dressed in classy suits for hire who will kill people like the Turks running around. You still do. Mm-hmm. It's like. Yeah.
1: Well, this is a weird thing, too, because we have suddenly have the Turks as an entity outside of Shinra, because right. originally they were a branch of Shinra. But
0: now uh, they're just like yeah. independent mercenaries. Yeah, I guess. It's like not really got
2: into. Which is weird, too, because it's, like, weren't they an organization, like, funded by Shinra? Yeah, that's yep, what Chris completely. is saying. Yeah. yeah, so, like, they weren't, like, outside contractors that Shinra but hired. This so author, why are they still working together?
0: It feels like this author's under the impression that they
2: were. That's uh,
0: how it feels, yeah. even though it's not okay. really gone into in detail. Because it, there's no, like big shift in their circumstances addressed. It seems like they're just kind of going on, going on, and
2: what they do is get hired to do jobs. Or the author just wanted to use that conceit to keep them in the story and keep them together.
1: I mean, in defense of that, they do seem to have some amount of operational freedom when they're part of Shinra. Like, there is a part in the game where you can eventually, like, just decide not to fight them because Reno is lazy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh-huh. Well, also because you helped them out in Muay but, you know, mostly because Rena's lazy.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, and I guess the fact they don't get into that speaks to, I don't know, if, whether you call it a strength or a weakness of this fanfic probably depends on your perspective. But the author is really concerned with keeping things moving. Things keep moving. At no point does this, like, stop into like any kind of navel gazing or like long exposition background nothing like i mean you might hear well, something briefly but then they just keep going
1: yes. um and i don't know if this is the correct point to bring this up but sometimes at the expense of other parts which are kind of necessary to a story like descriptions <laughs> of the areas that we're in
0: Oh, well, we played through the game
3: you know it, what it
1: looks like right y- yeah i mean to some extent you can fill in, but other times, especially things that weren't originally in the game... It's true, like,
0: these ruins of of Midgar, like, I could imagine it, but not because the author was describing it, yes. mm-hmm. just because I kind of, like, had my assumptions about, like, what it basically must have looked like. Yes. Um. Yeah, that's a yeah. good point. It's very momentum-focused, mm-hmm. I feel like, this story. And that has a certain strength of its own, I think. But... Certain things are being emphasized. Um, We should probably move through the plot points a little faster because things go, things just keep on going. There's so many things that happen in the story.
2: Yeah.
1: Although to be fair, where we go after Midgar uh, doesn't have a lot of plot content to it. The Costa del Sol. Uh, it's Junon. Oh, Junon. Yeah. Well,
0: they have to go fetch the the (laughs) submarine because they know they're going to have to go underwater, and it's another side quest. Lots so of sex, but, but I like
1: I think that this one especially felt because they they go to get the submarine mm-hmm. and they are stopped at the gate by some guards that say the new mayor of Junon, uh, has said that no one can As get in. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Um, and so the new mayor of Junon like is directs them to doing a. Uh, job where they go a into A fetch the, quest. Yeah, yes. Yeah. It's, it's just a fetch quest. And um, it's dubious whether they should actually be doing this. Yeah, and they don't really go into, mm-hmm. like, really questioning this mayor's motives, which seems very unlike well, the party.
0: <laughs> and, and fetching it, him the plans
2: for a Mako reactor from an Mako yeah, reactor. Yes, didn't exactly. didn't really see... I agree with this. And, and the funniest part is, like, it's kind of preceded by Barrett going in there trying to use his fluent influence as the mayor of Coral, uh-huh. like, before that. And it doesn't work. And then they have to do this. So it, like, sort of, like, I feel like it implies that the characters have, like, a different moral base than they did in the original. Like, right. they're not eco-terrorists anymore. Therefore, <laughs> they've, like, settled down and become mayoral people, but also, like, cogs in the machine. Yeah, but that, I don't know. that it was strikes like me
1: as, as so inherently untrue about these characters, because, like, questioning authority figures is how we got into the plot of Final Fantasy VII in the first place.
0: Now, to be fair, they don't approve of this. They're like, you don't want these Mako reactor plans to make a Mako reactor, do you? And he's like, no, 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 no. My uh, engineers just want to, like, adapt some things to make better power reactors. And they're like, uh... And then, like, as they're, as they're doing it, they're like, well you know what, if he builds a Mako reactor, we're just going to come fuck this <laughs> up. Right? We're going to wreck his shit if he does. So,
2: like, sure, get him the yeah. plans. And yeah. I think part of the story is that the driving thing is Cloud is increasingly more distressed right. by having dreams of Aerith and, like, feeling like she's... Responsible for her death. Yes, but feeling like yep. she's calling out to him and wants him to come and resurrect her. And Tifa cares a lot about Cloud, and the whole party cares a lot about Cloud. So I think there's more and more emotional drive to resurrect, you know, their dear friend. Yeah, they they care about Ares, too. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of something, yeah, that kind of gets, you know, the morality is less clear because the drive to resurrect her is so strong, since Cloud personally, at this point, feels like she desires to be resurrected.
1: And certainly we've had a couple of snatches of... Cloud's dreams, which seem to indicate that he's being contacted in
2: some way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're still
1: a little bit unclear,
2: but... Yeah. Well, and another through line with Cloud that I don't know if we fully mentioned is, like, mm-hmm. Tifa is the first one to present, like, Cloud's distress to, you know, other members of the party. I don't, I think it's with Barrett, but anyway... She says, like, you know, he's been distant and he's been distressed and he's, like, not eating, he's not sleeping well. Like, it's clear this is affecting him very, very deeply. Mm -hmm. So you can kind of see how he's not quite acting himself in a lot of ways because I don't know if we get a lot, like, Cloud just seems very distressed in this.
0: Like, Cloud being distressed by strange voices, (laughs) that sounds like just totally normal Cloud to me. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Fair, I mean, fair. Perfect, yeah, perfectly standard. I feel fair. like
1: you should have learned some lessons from the last time <laughs> yeah. this happened.
2: Yeah, because before he was being manipulated, like, yeah, but anyway. yes, before he was being manipulated. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, well, let's go on. To <laughs> let's see where it leads us. At Coastal Soul, we get
0: introduced to another villain, which is Grand Moff Tarkin um, from Star Wars. It's a crossover. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, no. Okay. I'm not going to keep that up. It's it's a guy named Tarkin. Um, it's not Grand Moth. Isn't it spelled
2: differently too? I don't think so. T a r k
0: i n. Oh, it? I thought it was A N in
2: this. No. Oh.
1: Although um, spelling names inconsistently is a theme of this fan fiction at some point. Oh my gosh!
2: It is. <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> uh, we but, will
1: get into that okay, in the sorry. second yes. part.
2: Yes. <laughs> Let's continue.
0: Um, actually, his name is Tarkin, you know, from the Japanese.
2: <laughs> so, so anyway,
0: he's another ex-soldier, and he's like a protege of Sephiroth's, and he kind of. So,
1: actually, yes, I think it is implied that he is one of the Sephiroth copies. Oh mm. no, you're right. He is. He definitely yes. is. You're right. Oh. He's one of the numbers. He's got
0: a, he's got a tattoo.
1: Although, right. I like that interpretation of him being a soldier a little bit better. Because I if I recall my plot of Final Fantasy VII correctly, the copies of Sephiroth outside of Cloud, Cloud were basically mindless. Like, yeah. they were subsumed by the will of Sephiroth.
0: He would have to be another Wait. super special one, but it's not really gotten Cloud's into. Cloud's not actually a copy of Sephiroth.
1: He is in the sense that he's been infected with Genova cells.
2: Right, but like he was misled to believe that he was a copy, but then he's well, infected with his cells. It with seems with like... Jenova, Geno- her I guess is the pronoun for Jenova. I... Uh, I don't what think it it, yeah, whatever <laughs> the It sells. Anyway, point being, you know, we get more information on this than Advent Children too, but I don't. But this that has nothing to do with this because this fanfic doesn't have Advent Children information. Whatever it is, it seems like
0: Tarkin's basically another cloud, and like he's got Genova cell access too. He doesn't he throw a Genova entity at them at one point again, like to fight. Okay.
1: But uh, my... getting that is something we'll get into, but yeah, he okay. turns into a Genova like the other Sephiroth clones can do. So. Okay, this so is... a Sephiroth clone. I
2: thought all the Sephiroth clones looked like Sephiroth did. Right? Um, or no, did they all look different?
0: You see them you only really see them in robes, you never no.
2: really um, see them in the game. Yes, okay, I'm maybe strange. that was just my fake impression. No, I mean that would be a reasonable guess. Because they're clones. Like I just thought yeah, that. But, although eh, okay. like
1: like the you. Influence of Sephiroth on them because of like how the livestream works and how Genova cells infect people. They could like effectively turn into Sephiroth as this infects them and. I think that might have been the implication. I'm not entirely mm. certain of that.
2: But yeah, but in the game, they fight Sephiroth clones before they even meet the real Sephiroth, and they yes. all look. Oh
1: like yes, him. yes, yes. Yeah, the so, You do see Sephiroth clones that do look. So that's like
2: why Sephiroth. I was confused um, yeah. about this. Is because I like just assumed that if they were all Sephiroth, like if he was oh. they would be like, "Hey, you're Sephiroth. Like you look like him." But I guess he doesn't. So right, anyway. because
1: they were people. Like you know, clone is a bit of a misnomer for how this worked. Like they were people who then got. Infected right, right. with Genova cells, so they they did look like something before they turned into Sephiroth.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, that's a good point. Hmm. All right, a lot to think about here. Anyway, let's move on with our story.
0: Yeah, so I was just saying that Tarkin comes in in this whole sequence that has a couple of things going on at the same time. But like he's kind of an, uh, he's another antagonist. So that's kind of who he is. But he steps in to save the crystal material from being taken by the Turks at this point and like has mysterious motives.
1: Yes, mm-hmm. isn't this in Rocket Town? Oh, that would be in Rocket Town, oh, so in in Rocket to town. you're thoughts. right. But yes.
0: Because that's also when other people have to go save Shara who, if you recall, is Sid's secretary <laughs> assistant <laughs> domestic
1: abuse victim. Like yeah. You know, oh, uh, something yeah, like that. No, no. Not according to the game, but uh, I no, guess that, according that was, to the... That's what I remember from the game. Really? Yeah, huh.
0: Yeah. No, no, like, what is she exactly? Like...
1: Oh, um, yeah, they're... Just the last one? <laughs> that was, uh, I, I don't quite mesh with that. Sid is maybe not the best of human beings, but I don't think he abuses anyone other than potentially a little Whoa. bit verbally, but he does that to everyone.
2: Well, I don't think he treats her well. I
1: mean, no, certainly I, not in this I, fan fiction. That is certainly looked, true. But in I the original game, source. not that
2: great. I, I agree with the motto. But anyway,
0: go on. What were you going to say? I, I don't remember FF7 well enough to know whether I'm exaggerating much. Just that, like, she should probably go do something else is all I'm saying. But anyway, yeah. she's, she's been okay. kidnapped. Okay. She's been kidnapped by another villain, which is, how do you say her name? Lucretia? Lucretia. Lucretia. Yeah. Now, Lucretia was last seen in the game kind of like being frozen but not dead or whatever. She's trying to get the crystal material to resurrect her son, which is Sephiroth. Remember, she's Sephiroth's bio-mom.
2: Yeah. Whatever. Which, um, and she's also apparently in a relationship with Vincent. Used to be. Was. I thought... um, they were in this fanfic in a relationship now. No. Or it was kind of hard to tell. It's Vincent all about it a was. Lot of there bad
1: stuff. is yeah. an implication when Vincent shows up, he sort of talks about um how he was trying to get through to her and talk to her previously and then she sort of is being very obsessed with the idea of resurrecting Sephiroth. So yeah. that
2: I kind of um got the impression that yeah, he felt like he was really getting through to her and things were okay. But then she kind of Went off the deep end. I think he's describing, or was he way the past? stuff? Okay, past stuff.
0: because I got he it. would only have seen her f- like stasis dish in a cave, you know, from the Final Fantasy VII game. I don't think anything was supposed to have happened in between
2: them. I I mean, see. I mean, I mean, in between mm-hmm. then and this fanfic. Okay, yeah, but- no. I, first, I thought it was he was trying to encompass recent events because I know it's been a long period of time, but I see now that he, like he, I was talking about the past and talking about how. Losing Sephiroth kind of made her go off.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, she's she's wanting to resurrect Sephiroth. She's like, oh yeah, I know he's not a good person, but like these things that people have been accusing him of wanting to destroy the world are clearly not true. And she's also just kind of unhinged, and she thinks that Sephiroth's the only thing she has like in the world to live for. She's got weird powers. I guess they're supposed to be kind of Vincent-y powers because like she's controlling these like mm. evil bad things. And Vincent's like, I have as much control over them as you at one point. And I'm like, You do? I don't, I don't know why you do. I'm also not sure why
2: she has control over them. So whatever, yeah. Vincent, sure. <laughs> why not? Isn't Vincent his powers are from also experiments. Yes. Right? It's yes. all Hojo. Um, from hard Hojo, science. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So but like well, yes. wasn't hard
1: science in this world where magic exists. Right.
2: I guess Hojo could have reasonably experimented on Lucretia. Sure. I mean, I accept it. It's like, just, it just kind of comes out of nowhere. Yeah, he's, he's... Well, I mean,
1: yeah, Lucretia is also a scientist as well, so...
2: Oh, that's true. She could have experimented on herself. Like all good scientists. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's how you know you're serious about science. Experiment <laughs> on yourself. Of course. Um, so she's... We now have our three factions. We have the protagonist, we have Lucretia. They managed to save... Um, What's-her-name from her, by the way? That, if that wasn't obvious, Shara. And we've got Tarkin, who is kind of a third party. And the, the protagonists still have the crystal materia, and they take it to where they need to take it, which is a vent into the life stream, which is underwater, which is why they needed the submarine mm-hmm. earlier on. And... Things kind of come to a head there in various plot points. For one thing, there's a bunch of plot stuff. For one thing, Red has been in true fiction pacing fashion, translating on the go, and only (laughs) once they get there is he like, "Oh yeah, I figured out the the ritual for how to use this to bring back an ancient, and someone has to sacrifice their life." Sorry, I didn't mention that before. I didn't. I I just now read it. Like, yeah, I feel like great. And for another thing. You know, they're being pursued by the various villains. And like when Tarkin's getting close, at one point Kate Sith is like, Oh yeah, I've been spying for Tarkin. And you're like, Kate Sith
3: Yeah, this
1: was um I felt I mean, in spite of Kate Sith having spied on you in the past, <laughs> this felt a little bit disingenuous to the character.
0: Yeah, I, I was like, how do you even know this guy? Right. How do he know you?
1: Why did he hire you? Right. And, like, even then, there is a justification which Kate Sith gives for why he didn't tell them earlier, which is that, like, he doesn't know how many spies Tarkin has around. They were, like, wandering through the forest for months. Yeah, in a
2: very no, small because he says like, "Oh no!" But like now, I'm kind of on your side. But like at the <laughs> same time, I've been spying against you. I, but- I, I love the line they ask him like, "You've been spying on us again, Kate?" Said? he's like, "No, I haven't
0: been spying. You, know, I've just been telling him everywhere <laughs> you're going and what you're doing." <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah it's really ridiculous it's like he feels like he has to pretend to be a spy <laughs> because there might be other spies it's I, I think plot twist. but he actually is just spies, <laughs> so he's not yep. doing anything that's not spying on them he, he
0: he's also he was also like oh i you know wanted to he wanted to figure out what tarkin's plan was first before he tipped his hand about it because I guess if you told these people, some, one of them might talk to Tarkin and get, I don't know, He's, Sid would like go tell, <laughs> send off a oh, letter.
2: Yeah, no, that's the thing. He's like, I couldn't tell you that I was spying on you because if you were aware that you were being spied on, you'd give off the fact that you were aware that you were being spied on. Well, that sounds like,
0: fine. That's <laughs> that sounds great if we know that we're being spied. If we know. Like, one. no. No. Yeah, it, it's probably the dumbest thing
2: in this fanfic.
3: Mm. <sighs>
2: But whatever, whatever. It's not quite, to me, as dumb as Kate Sith, speaking of Kate Sith, being referred to as a robot multiple times. Like, referring to himself as like, hey, I'm a robot, so I feel like this. It's like, you're not a robot. You are a human controlling a robot. Like, stop. Everybody knows you're not actually a robot. All right, moving I mean
1: most of the time it's it's called method acting Tori
2: (laughs) most of the time
0: that is referring to his robot body which I accept he's like like, as as a robot body I can do these things but it's like yeah no one's like (laughs) so where are you based out of these days like (laughs) I don't know.
2: Well, because, like, I'm just sorry. It's just, you know, I know we spoke about this before, but it's sort of implied that the character has only been sitting in their room running around in a robot body rather than living life as a human. And it's just (laughs) weird. Anyway, let's move on. Well, it's hard. It's hard for him to get a new job in urban
0: planning because all of his references were destroyed by Meteor. (laughs) So he
2: just... Pilots a robot. Yeah, I day. mean, wouldn't you? I would. It's a pretty cool robot. That's true, that's true.
0: Look, I've got to say, why does it look like a cat riding
3: a <laughs> <laughs> Like, why
0: that?
1: Okay, so to be fair, you originally encountered Kate Sip in Gold Saucer, sure. where that makes some amount of sense as a disguise sith gets destroyed in the temple of the ancients and he decides that the next robot in line should look exactly the same, the same. well at that point well, he's
2: gotten attached too. to it right you know, like, like this is me now he's just making out of spare <laughs> parts
0: like you don't want to redesign the whole
3: thing
1: uh yes i see Yeah, yeah.
3: Clear
1: also right. no, also now- hiding in gold saucer was clearly the best place best play to make here <laughs> uh,
0: okay but but other than those plot points it comes down to a confrontation between all parties here, right? And, um, you know, there's fights. They have some fights. The The thing with uh, Sephiroth's mom, I'm blanking on her name Lucretia. Again. The yeah. thing with Lucretia is eventually resolved by talking it out, basically. I mean, you know, like, removing all other options and then talking it out. But it's like,
2: well, you know, Vincent eventually kind of gets through to her about it. Sort right? of. Sort of. Right? Like, isn't it yeah. more along the lines of, like... Well, no, never mind. Maybe you remember better. You no, no, it. maybe I don't. Like... Uh, the, I just... I, it, there was a lot of conflict about this exchange of one person for another. And there was a deception being made. But there were multiple parties involved. Like, Lucretia wanted to resurrect Sephiroth. But, Tarkin wants to resurrect Sephiroth, but he wants Cloud to do it. Right, because he the, wants Cloud to exchange. So he, he wants the, the Cloud thing, to think that he's resurrecting Aerith and therefore exchange and actually get Sephiroth. Yeah, There's and, also and the, the, the gold relevant material that relevant information,
0: minds. right? The relevant yes, information yellow. that Kate Sith gives yes, that would have been very useful to know earlier is that Tarkin has a materia called influence that lets you plant suggestions in people's minds. Yeah. And like, it's not, yes. they describe it as as opposed to manipulate, you don't just like control them and have them do a thing. And apparently it seems to take a really long time to work usually, even though it doesn't really work right now. But that's how he's been planting visions of Eris in Cloud's dreams and getting him to do all this stuff.
1: Right. And it's also stated at this point, uh, which I have a bit of a problem with, that this is what Sephiroth was doing to Cloud throughout the plot of Final Fantasy VII. Yes. yeah. Using this material. It's
0: supposed to be the biological connection, though.
1: Right. It's... Yeah, I think that that sort of dirties the plot of Final Fantasy VII a little Mm -hmm. bit because I think it's important that it is like just a pure battle of wills between Cloud and Sephiroth that Mm -hmm. sort of resulted in this. And the idea of like them sort of being two sides of the same coin, sort of being like biologically connected through Jenova's cells is important to that process as well. Yeah, to the
2: relationship between them as foils for the story. I completely agree, though. I do like, you know, um, though I don't like the author bringing in the, the influence, the yellow materia, uh, and and trying to extrapolate that back to the Final Fantasy Seven plot, what I do like is that there's still kind of a battle of wills in, in this materia. Like, Cloud is able to fight against the influence of the materia through a certain sense of will once he's aware of it, and so is someone else, I believe. He... They don't remember. Oh, I. By the way, I just glanced at the fanfic. The
0: conflict with Lucretia came before they came to this underwater mm. Mako cave, and so okay. down here it's a just conflict against Tarkin. Got it. And got part it. of that is a big fight scene, and here's where the materia really gets busted out. It's like Tarkin spamming Ultima, you know. Red is using like spamming Cure and stuff. They're using the materia. Yes. And they also pull out.
1: Well, Knights of the Round. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: So it's canon. That they spent far
1: too much time <laughs>
0: racing chocobos. <laughs> Probably well, there was a big meteor hanging in the sky. Yep. In order to get this thing, right? That is definitely fanfic canon. Yep. Breathing chocobos. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Well, I mean, it yeah. was really important. In uh, fact, getting all of the material <laughs> was really important. You have no idea.
0: <laughs> right. And um, they they beat him with, that's how they end the fight, is by yes, doing Ultimate yeah. End. And, like, you get a text description of, like, what happens when you do, you know, when you do Ultimate End, when you use Knights of the Round, yes. including everything fading to black and then all those yep. big figures and, you know. It's kind of totally silly, <laughs> but at least it's kind of totally silly in a, like, fun way, I guess.
1: So, yeah, I get... That part of it, like, I, I'm okay with the summons being canon mm-hmm. to the, the like, actually what goes on in Final Fantasy VII fights. But what I find a bit weird about this is, like, how it works on a power scale level. Because there's, like, this sort of implication, especially in the fights leading up to this point, that there are some, like, dire situations that they get in, and they don't pull out, like... Any of the really big, powerful materia in any of those cases. Right. So, I mean, like, the tension in those previous scenes just sort of fades away at this point because. Because this
0: Knights of the Rounded there too. Yeah. And then mimicked it.
1: Yeah. And then mimicked that. Yes. Yes. And, like, you know, what about Eight Times Cut and, like, all of the (laughs) other weird, you know, like, the full enemy skill materias that I'm sure they all have.
0: Uh, I don't think you can get three full enemy skill materials, can you? You <laughs>
1: can, because you can cast spells on from oh. your en- enemy skill material on other people. Oh, that you have the can.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, that would have been way easier. <laughs> I never knew that. I thought you had to go back to all the enemies and get them, which is why I only ever bothered doing one and maybe a half.
2: Oh. Yes. I Bummer. Don't, I'm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, the author does kind of use a limited round of materia here. But I like that they kind of do that because they don't need to bust out all the materia. That would take a long time to describe how each materia has an effect. They kind of shorten it up. You know what else I like? That's fair. It's a two-stage boss fight. (laughs) Yes. They beat Tarkin,
0: and
1: then there's a cutscene. No, no, no. It's a three-stage boss fight.
0: Oh, oh, of course. Well, that's even better. Of course, it's a three-stage boss fight. Yes. They beat Tarkin, and then a cutscene, he manages to, like, Lunge for the crystal materia, touch it, and use it to resurrect Sephiroth. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. yes. But I mean, so in between that, so they fight Tarkin very shortly. Right. He turns into a Genova version. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then once they've beaten that, he turns back and then does this and you mm-hmm. and sacrifices himself to resurrect Sephiroth. Right. Yes. He Which life. also, like, this is another part that I found was a little bit not terribly smart. Like, I understand that these people are in the middle of a fight, but they just sort of leave the crystal materia sitting on a table throughout this whole fight. No yeah. one bothers grabbing it once. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. if you just stuck this in your backpack, you would be done. And there would be no third stage to this boss fight.
2: Actually, before this, there was a whole thing where, like, Cloud was kidnapped and they were thinking he had the crystal materia. And it was, like, actually with Tifa, right? Like, yeah, that was when Target stepped in to yeah. save Tifa from the Turks. Yeah, and so it's like... It's kind of crazy they'd forget about it now, after all of this focus and kind of this planning around it. But anyway. Yeah, whatever. It's what has to happen. It's what happened, yeah. And, and to be fair, I think the author's tackling a lot here. I think that's evidenced by how much we have to speak about in terms of just plot points. They're tackling a lot. They're almost making their own Final Fantasy Seven esque plot here. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of hard to track all the details sometimes, even as a reader, but it's also... Like, uh, sometimes I think it would be impossible to actually have this read as Final Fantasy Seven game plot perfectly. Though I think they did, hmm. you know, not a bad job. It's just there's so much detail. How I mean, think about how long it takes to play Final Fantasy Seven. Mm-hmm. So,
1: yeah. I th- I mean, do they, do they have, have to
2: have skip through some things. They had is no, is no in 1998. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, fair point.
0: Um, and also, I've been messing up the timeline again because... Yeah, we have some other characters like Sid and Red and Kate like mm-hmm. facing off against the Turks and Lucretia at the same time. Yes. They they also get to, like, they all use summons. It's a judgment bolt, tsunami, and tetra disaster. I don't know if I would have used Ramu. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> anyway, the point is that, like, you know, they win that fight too. The Turks get to do a very Turk thing and just, like, decide to walk off when they find out that Lucretia's planning on summoning, on, like, resurrecting Sephiroth, which they were not clear on. And they yeah. were like, you mean the Sephiroth who wanted to destroy the world? And they were like, uh, you know, we don't usually quit jobs, but we're, we're quitting this job. We're out. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. The world that we live on, like that world. <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah. to be
2: clear. Yeah.
1: And,
0: uh-huh. but, but that means Lucretia's around.
1: It, and again, this is like the Turks never asked this question up until that point. They never really made this detail super clear because I feel like, you know, I understand that these are basically the Yakuza right. and they're not terribly scrupulous. But this just seems like a terrible oversight.
0: <laughs> oh, but that means Lucretia's around for when Sephiroth's resurrected and she's like, my son! And he's like, you're not my real mom. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's, so That's like, not
0: how he
2: says it.
1: But uh, it's, yeah. It's, um, it's dangerously close. Actually, <laughs> Like,
2: it's literally worse than that. He is just like, I consider... I mean, that's basically what he says. He yeah. says like, Jenova's my real brother. You mean nothing to me. I'm gonna kill everybody because, arr, mm-hmm. I'm Sephiroth. And yeah. it's just... And so that's the turning and point yeah, that's the
1: turning point, And, yeah. And the Sephiroth writing is, like, is a little bit stilted in this, I would not like to argue.
2: Is, and I also think that for Lucretia, like, her whole drive has been like, this is my son. Hmm. And everybody's been telling her, like, Vin- well, Vincent at least has been telling her, he tried to kill everybody, even you. Hmm. And... She saw that in the past, and he basically... Well, she didn't exactly well, see that, though. That's okay.
0: part of this.
1: So, yeah, but this is true, this is a but... difference between Lucretia and this fan fiction, Lucretia and Final Fantasy Seven Because in Final Fantasy Seven you do get this implication, like, that she has these, like, terrible dreams about the things that Sephiroth is going to do. And she's, like, terribly distressed, and, like, when you encounter her in stasis in the cave, like, this sort of comes to light that, like, she is really just sad about her part in everything that's happened up mm-hmm. until this point. And that just doesn't seem to be her motivation here. Uh-huh. Like it's something has driven her to now believe that Sephiroth didn't do these things
0: as yeah, opposed to then. Yes. And there's no line drawn there that makes sense. It's just kind of, exactly. you have to
2: accept that that's what the character is doing in the story. Yeah. So it's sort of like a repeat. Like she sees again, how terrible you know, he actually is in real life and realizes her mistake. And I also, f- I feel like it's very sad, but I feel like the author kind of glossed it a little like her whole through line. Oh, Like yeah, for sure. But the feeling she would have had, you know, wanting to bring her son back and having him be so cold. Like, I just feel like they could have done a little bit more with her, just like a tiny bit more. Mm-hmm.
0: And the fight against Sephiroth, who, you know, is, tough to be and all it ends with a very it is fairly suddenly what they end up doing is like he's, he's getting the edge on them Cloud grabs the influence materia right? no no not the influence materia this is just manipulate right
1: no, this is the influence material. But it's, mm-hmm. it's been dropped by Tarkin.
2: But yeah, it's, yes. it's a yellow response. light blazing through Yeah, it's, it's always been yellow. It's always the been yellow. The yes. influence material is yellow.
0: But this can't be influenced because I thought it was established that influence doesn't work like this. Cloud is trying to use it to get Sephiroth to go pick up oh. the the crystal material and use it again.
2: My point is well, the material they've been using this whole time is the yellow material. But I don't no, know No, I, I clarified think that this, if was...
1: I think that this tracks because... um, So, like it's mentioned that you can use influence in a way that's more subtle oh, no, and you think that's right. your Tar- idea. But Tar- then he also does m-
0: also use it on Cloud in a direct right. that's like, was, way. That's what he was,
1: yeah, that's how he was He's trying get to get Cloud, Cloud to, to sacrifice himself. Yeah. Uh, so
0: Cloud starts to use influence to make Sephiroth <laughs> use the crystal materia to bring back Eris. And by the way, you have to have some kind of ancient Genova connection to sacrifice your life for this. So like, there's mm-hmm. only like a few possibilities around here. Yeah. Um, and, you know, then it's a battle of wills. And then it's a Sailor Moon climactic fight scene mm-hmm. where everybody comes over <laughs> yep. and one by one like lays their hand on clouds and like joins their will to his, and like a huge ball of light engulfs Metallia and she disintegrates. And they're <laughs> all reborn as middle school girls to live a normal, peaceful life.
2: Yeah, that's the end that's of the Fantricans. Yeah. L-
1: little did you know this was actually a crossover with Sailor Moon.
2: That's not like <laughs> quite what happened. They're actually all <laughs> resurrected as Sailor Guardians. But everyone does. I would I would read
1: that fanfiction.
0: <laughs> but everyone does come and join their wills in, like, forcing Sephiroth to do this. And, of course, Lucretia joins in at the end. She's like, I love you, but you've been very bad.
2: Which is, <laughs> Which is so is, no weird thing to say oh, when you're killing your son. <laughs> I mean, Not that there's an unweird thing to say when you're killing your son, but... Yeah, I mean, what? I'll try not to do that at all. But, <laughs> yeah, good luck.
1: Uh, well, I mean... Wait, wait for whether or not they're trying to destroy a planet before you make that judgment. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> 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 and they
0: force him to do that. The light flares. And Eris is back. And here's the thing. Eris is back. There's like five lines. Yep. The fanfic ends. Yep. It's like, here's the last few lines. Um, when the light faded, Cloud looked up immediately, eagerly. The first thing he noticed were green eyes, but these did not glow with the mark of soldier. These were kind and tender, surrounding by... Oh, you know, that's a, that's just a mistake. Surrounding by Eris delicate features and long brown hair. Eris he said softly, hardly believing it. She smiled and stepped down out of the circle of light. Fully clothed, I assume. <laughs> it's not mentioned.
2: Yeah. It's good to see you again, she said, looking around at them all, not disoriented at all. Well, her eyes are surrounded by her face, so hopefully her body is surrounded by her clothes. <laughs> I'll be damned we did it,
0: Barrett said. He turned to look at Yuffie, who was still holding hands with him and Rude. They all hastily dropped hands and looked away from each other. Cloud and Tifa... Foreshadowing a future romantic triangle. No. No, no not at all. Cloud and Tifa walked up to Aeris, still holding hands. Cloud turned to face the others and took Aeris' hand with one with his free one, smiles on all their faces. Mission accomplished, he said triumphantly. Let's go home. Yeah. The end. No falling action. No. I would expect... Yeah.
2: An
1: epilogue.
2: A and really there's not weird. an epilogue. There's not, but also this author wrote so many stories, I wonder if they were just like, uh, i deal with that later. Yes, and you start know.
1: on the next but one. That, did, that is
2: true. It did end abruptly. And that, that is a criticism of mine, as it ended abruptly. So. Now, we have words about Final Fantasy VII and this fanfic
0: clearly, and we've been talking for an hour and 20 minutes. And this is the first and shorter of two stories that we read for tonight in this series. So I'm making a executive call here that we're going to split this into two episodes, and so before and I mean we're just going to keep talking about it tonight, uh,
2: you know. <laughs> Don't give it away, Amara. We got to keep the mystery. the magic of video
1: ed- Or audio editing. We will Sorry. just
0: withhold <laughs> content from it deliberately. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah.
1: <laughs> like responsible content creators. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So no, what I mean is. We need a couple of final thoughts about this specific story to wrap it up. What did we not like about this story specifically? Like this first story that we read, The Search for Eris. What do we think did not work well?
1: So I have thoughts on how the characters are portrayed because that tends to be where my mind goes most of the time when reading through fan fiction specifically, but trying to make sure that the characters are consistent with their portrayals. And I think there was definitely a range in which characters were portrayed well and which characters were portrayed poorly for the most part. Um, As far as well, I think that a lot of Cloud's thoughts uh, came through pretty um, close to how the character acts in the game. You do get a lot of sort of like Cloud thinking through things, which like Cloud being very introspective is like... Just sort of how he does and he will, um, you know, like be very terse about uh, subjects like he will sum up his opinions about things very, very quickly and very shortly. Uh, And he'll also have the same sort of oddity in like this sort of avoidance of cliches or like this avoidance of things that people might normally say because he's Mm -hmm. sort of arriving at the ideas uh, through a different vector like deriving his philosophy from scratch and saying things like let's mosey or
0: <laughs> um, yeah takes a very specific philosophy to say let's mosey <laughs> <laughs> i agree i think cloud i would also say tifa red yuffie all maybe sid all seemed and the turks some of the time seemed pretty on point and like kind of really enjoyable to read
1: Interesting. I had similar opinions, although I do. I don't th- actually agree on the point of, of Red. Like, I don't think that Red sounded a lot like he did. Oh, I guess you're House right. Sid.
0: Uh, not it. Not Red was kind of used more as an exposition machine a lot of the time in this story in particular, wasn't he? Yeah,
2: yeah no, that's a good way to put it. We had a discussion about it where we thought, like, he was just, like, very academic and distant and didn't have, like, as much personality as we mm-hmm. felt like he should. But, you know, we also talked about how, like, it's hard to read some of the personality with, you know, the little information. The, like, the some of the characters in Final Fantasy Seven have less dialogue. But this author's extrapolation of Red as an academic just felt kind of weird to me. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, certainly he has some very academic qualities to him. He lives in Cosmo Canyon, which is this place where he is surrounded by all of this history and knowledge. Knowledge. Um, But also on the other hand, he is very like passionate and uh, willing to state his opinion very directly rather than sort of being um, more this sort of verbose character who is just like a font of exposition that we sort of get in this, which is seems a bit away from the original character interpretation.
0: And then that also, obviously, we've complained about people like
2: Kate Sith and Lucretia, and, mm-hmm. I mean, Sephiroth's not written very well. Yeah. Um, to me, it's that they're all kind of written in a very limited way. Ed, you pointing out that Red's used mostly for exposition points to that flaw for me, is that, like, characters are kind of used for a goal in the story. And I kind of think that might be the author just running out of... Um, either space or ideas, basically. Mm. They had to use Red for exposition because they didn't have another vehicle. Mm. And they had to shorten all of Sephiroth's lines into, like, very basic things because they were running out of, I don't know, time or uh, energy to complete the I story. Mean, that That's kind of on, where I see it. On
1: one hand, I agree with you. But on another hand, like, the actual script of Final Fantasy VII is... Not as long as you would really think that it is, because video game scripts have to be very concise with the way that they're written. Not Planescape Torment. Unless you're Planescape Torment, (laughs) wherein, yeah, uh, I mean, some of it, uh, honestly, a surprising amount of that game is actually voice acted, but oftentimes you will just get walls of text thrown at you. Oh yes and that is a lot easier to write than things that are going to like be displayed as dialogue and you're going to have to go through whole dialogue trees for right <laughs>
0: um, yeah, in addition to mischaracterization, I would say that I think the structure, it's kind of amusing sometimes the kind of like fetch questy like questy nature of the story, but it's also just not. It's not great writing. It's kind of a weakness of this story, I think.
1: Yeah. I mean, some of it, to me, did feel driving enough, but I feel like by the time we were getting to getting uh, plans for a Mako reactor to get access to your submarine, we were definitely deviating a bit from good storytelling.
2: Yeah. That being said, I... Yeah, I I do think this story kind of felt like playing an RPG, and I wouldn't necessarily say it was specifically, like, playing Final Fantasy, because they were like, but regardless, it felt like playing a game, because you have your side quests. And when the characters come in, they feel like how those characters came in, in Final Fantasy Seven. is just, you know, um, the hope for more characterization is, you know, that that's a thing. But honestly, like, it was just fun to read it as if I was playing through the game. And maybe even, like, playing and seeing these characters for the first time would make it seem more like playing through the game. I really liked how it felt like the world was being explored and the quests were being had. And even the fights were like, here's where the material come in or, you know, et cetera. I, I felt like that was very strong.
0: Yeah, it was fun to come back to these characters again and this world again and kind of a similar tone adventure. Um, and I'm sure if I had just been playing Final Fantasy VII and there's like literally nothing more to do and like I'm desperate for this content <laughs> this character characters back in 1998, I can see especially how it would have been like, mm-hmm. you know, a big draw.
1: Yeah, um, I feel like it was mentioned a little bit earlier, but they do have some very good, like, witty banter also in yeah, the dialogue that um like does sort of feel like the way that Final Fantasy writing goes about uh having characters interact with one another where they're playing off of one another and they're, you know, like a clash of personalities, uh and they're sort of having some form of mental sparring, some cleverness to the way that the, the dialogue's written. Um, And I I think that was written pretty well. Um, Also, and I think this is a really minor thing to mention, but I was really struck by like, there were a couple of scenes early on. One of them was in, when they went back into the caves of Gi to get um, the books. Uh, And one of them was when they were in Wutai in the chapter after that, uh, you know, climbing up the mountain to get, Leaves for Yuffie, um, but in the first scene, you have like this scene of Tifa where she's being freaked out by like the shadows in the darkness, which are the the gi warriors, um, and she like focuses on Cloud's back, and by being able to do that, she's able to uh, like stop herself from being as scared and just focuses on following Cloud. Yeah, we get a similar scene in Tai where um, she sees Cloud climbing up to the get the branch for Yuffie, uh, and he can't quite get it there. So he says, someone else could climb up and I'll boost them up. And uh, Tifa says, okay, I can do that. I saw exactly what you're doing. I was paying enough attention, and she was, like, paying enough attention to what Cloud was doing while he was climbing that she can climb up, like, much faster than he did because, you know, like this sort of, those sort of scenes really spoke to like the reasons that Tifa looks up to cloud and the reasons that that is really advantageous to her character. Um, the way that she follows cloud and the way that she like empathizes with cloud and thinks of cloud. Uh, and I thought those scenes were really effective to me because they sort of like, enforced the metaphor of the way that this character thinks about the world and the way this character acts and why it's useful to them
0: the author states in some of the notes that Tifa's like his favorite character and that i think comes through with the attention that's paid to her and like her thoughts and characterization
2: yeah it was a strong characterization of tifa for
0: sure now this was episode 59 of retro fanfic retrospective the Search for Eris, which is the first episode, or first story in the Final Fantasy VII Internet series by Frank Verderosa. You can find a link there at bit.ly slash rfr series to the copy on fanfiction.net at the moment. Next week, we'll be coming back with the second story in the same series, The Red Fist, with more of that Final Fantasy VII tangents that you've come to expect while listening to this episode right now. <laughs>
1: So you don't like ninety percent of the content.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the intro song is "The Weekly Fair" off of the album Popey's Incredible Adventure" by Komiku. The outro song is "Run Against the Universe" from the same album. You can find this album and other works by Komiku at LoyaltyFreakMusic.com. You can find our website at RetroFanficRetrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly/RetroFanfic. If you have questions, comments, or thoughts about the episode, contact us on Twitter at RetroFanfic or Facebook at RetroFanfic. We've got Reddit at Fanfic Retrospective or send us an email at retrofanficretrospective at gmail.com if anyone uses email anymore, I don't know. You can also leave comments or reviews on Apple Podcasts or whatever service you use, and those would all be appreciated and probably reach us just fine. I'm Amato. I'm Tori. And I'm Chris. We're just a party of three Earth life forms. Everybody else in our group is waiting somewhere else, trying to try and be nice to each other. Until next time, take care. In you know all of these old translations, those lines that like will never get changed in an English translation because they're too iconic.
1: Oh yeah, like Spoony Bard is oh, one yeah. of them. Oh yeah, and and I mean to be fair, like people find that odd and funny, mm-hmm. but it's it's totally in character. It's a wonderfully well written line it's because Tella is like this uh, crotchety old man who has an extremely large vocabulary yeah. and a willingness to utilize just obtuse words at people
0: and i don't know if they have translated retranslated seven for like the re-release just now but like there's no way they changed some lines like golden shiny wire of hope
1: or like (laughs) yes well i mean that's also a very barren line I, i i would it's just such a good line i'd be willing to believe that that is something that was also in the original script i'm, I'm I sure about. it
0: is i just mean like they they won't change they wouldn't change the wording for those iconic oh words. yes yeah of course like not. i'm sure that is basically what you said <laughs> yeah. but you wouldn't have to translate it with those words except that you would because i would not stand for it and neither would any other fan if yes, they changed that exact wording
1: yes <laughs> i mean but yeah final <laughs> fantasy is sort of inherently full of those like it doesn't it's not Um, devoted to its seriousness to the point where it won't have things that are sort of off the wall or funny or like
0: every Final Fantasy 1 translation has has had I Garland will knock you all down in the same way (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: for one of uh, a a boss which is decidedly more pathetic than most of the monsters that you find (laughs) in that dungeon
2: but yeah it's a good point there's those uh, really humorous parts that stick with you
0: I remember the hardest thing in Final Fantasy One being just getting to level two out in the wilderness fighting yeah. imps. It's like, ah. Uh, oh god, that's
1: so those amazing. first few fights. It really depends on who you bring in your party to, because <laughs> there is so much of a difference between like you have a fighter in your party or you don't, mm, and yeah. that's not necessarily an obvious choice.
0: <laughs> no, I mean you're like monk is fine, right? Yeah. It's, instead of or black, Belt, whatever black belt yeah. instead of fighter, I just need someone to like hit things, but it's not the same. Not early on. <laughs> yeah. No. It's never the same. Red mages can use swords, so that makes them a secondary yeah, exactly. fighter, right?
1: They're basically fighters. They do all of the things that a fighter does, right? Just badly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. Okay.